welcome to everyone this evening and those that may be watching us online as well. We want to welcome you as a part of our service this evening. And um, this is going to be my last Thursday to minister on the subject of the will of God. This will be part number four, and it's the last because next week is Oikos night, so we will not have service. All of our Oikos will be meeting in various locations and great time of fellowship and ministry. And then the following Thursday, we launch our next round of classes. We got two more rounds of classes to go this year. And uh, so this is going to be my last Thursday evening. However, I do feel like there's some more things in my studies on this topic. So it is my intention at some point over the next couple of weeks, uh, probably a couple of times, to try to get in the video studio and kind of finish up the things I feel like the Lord has given me on this topic. So, uh, not sure if I'm doing something wrong or not. Oh, there we go. Hmm. Well, got to love technology. Here comes the superhero to the rescue. Magic touch. Watch. Here we go. Ah, so there's another screen mirroring option. Okay, there we go. See? All right. Amen. Thank you so much to our media department and the way that they serve every service to make all of this possible. And not only possible for you and I here, but for those that are not here and online. Thank them very much. Ephesians 5. I'm going to begin with verse number 17, or excuse me, verse number 15. Ephesians 5 and 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. I got to tell you, if 2,000 years ago Paul said, redeem the time because the days were evil, where in the world are we now? Wherefore? Be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. I believe this is the Amplified Bible. Looks like I missed putting it, the reference, but it says it this way. Therefore, Do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish, but understanding and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. Father, thank you for another opportunity to be together in your presence. 
Thank you for your presence that has been manifested in such a sweet way here. Thank you for the way in which your spirit moved into this sanctuary and ministered and touched hearts and lives. Thank you so much, God. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your grace in our lives. Truly, without it, we wouldn't be here, Lord. So we thank you for it. God, I pray this evening that you would continue to speak to our hearts, that we would have ears that would hear, hearts that receive, would receive what you would say, that we may continue to grow and develop and mature into who you would have us to be. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. I think there are a couple of different ways you can apply what this verse is saying, like basically every other verse. <laughs> and, and there's usually a primary context, a primary application, but then there are other things that you can glean from, from that verse because Again, the Word of God is not, a, it's not a book of rules and regulations. It's really a book of principles. Because principles can apply in any circumstance, any situation. That's the beauty of a principle. So when Paul says here that we aren't to be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is... And, and, and I think first and foremost, you can apply that in, we need to know what the will of the Lord is. What is the will of the Lord for you and I to do? As I've said, I think each week now, I want you to think of this in the context of the macro will of God and the micro will of God. The micro will of God is, is the things in His Word that govern our lives. It's, it's the principles that we live by. That's the day-to-day, step-by-step will of God. We don't need God speaking that to us every day. We don't need God telling us what to do in that context every day. He gave us His Word. Amen. You, ever, you ever emailed or texted somebody something and, and gave them some very specific information in that text or email, and then they replied to you and asked you a question that was in the email. Nobody else can relate. Parents can relate. <laughs> I don't think any of my kids are in here tonight, so it's open game. Oh, Esther may be up there. He doesn't need to tell you what to do. You don't need to lay there in the bed, and him to speak to you, thus saith the Lord, it is now time to go to work. You got a job and the Lord provided it, when it's time to go to work, it's time to go to work. You don't need to intercede about that. (laughs) Just need to do it. But then there are the big things, the decisions, the big decisions, the, the things that are not spelled out in the Word of God. What, what you're called to do, what your ministry is, where that is, who you're going to marry if you intend to get married, and, and where you're going to live, where you're going to work. There is a will of God for your job. I believe God orchestrates you and your job just as much as he orchestrated me and being the pastor of this congregation. Doesn't treat 
me any better and my role more significant. There is a will of God for every single one of you. And, and so while, again, I think the primary context of this verse is you need to know what the will of the Lord is. You need to know what it, how can you do it if you don't know it? But I think there's another layer of this verse when he says, understanding what the will of the Lord is. And, and if I could say it this way, also understanding what the will of the Lord isn't. And I don't mean what it isn't in the context of what you shouldn't do. I mean what it isn't in the context of inaccurate or unrealistic expectations. We were in a, a prepare and enrich session the other day. That's a tool, if you haven't heard of that, that's a marriage tool that my wife and I have been using for 10 plus years now. We primarily use it with premarital counseling, but we've used it a couple of times with couples. And, and we, were, we were in a premarital setting uh, a few days ago using it. And I, I was making the point to that couple the, the problem is when you go into something like marriage with unrealistic expectations and your unrealistic expectations are not met, you're ready just to throw in the towel. If you go into marriage thinking you're going to be the first couple that never has an argument, never, and if you've been married for 15, 20 years and you can say you've never had an argument, that's not something to be proud of. Because if that's the case, somebody's not being honest. Somebody's not being real. Because if you're being honest and real, there's going to be some arguments. Now, I know we got, we got William and Jordan. They're still, they probably haven't argued yet. But give them time. Give them a little time. It's coming. So you, you, can, tell, you can tell a lot about how long couples have been married, the newlyweds. By the amount of space. Because those first couple of months, there ain't no space. You can't, get a, you can't get the thin side of a credit card between them. But you watch as time goes on. There's... Where was I? Understanding what it isn't is also a very important thing. And I will come back to that here in a little bit. Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 119. I realize the, the will, the word will is not in this verse, but in principle it is. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts. Not, not make me to understand the precepts. Make me to understand the way of them. Make me to understand the, 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 the expectations of them, the the, the, the things that I may deal with in them. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts, so shall I talk of thy wondrous works. Proverbs 23 and 23, again, the word will is not in here in the context of what we're talking about, but in principle, it's what it's talking about. Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. You know, I've, I've quoted this verse for years and years now. Buy the truth and sell it not. 
it's not just saying buy truth and that's all you buy. It's saying you also need to buy wisdom and instruction and understanding. And, and part of the context of buy there is you will value much more what you buy than what is given to you. That's why you give out, just a simple example, give out a bunch of handouts in a session like this, and without fail, you'll find them scattered around on the floor. I guarantee you charge you $2 for them, $1, charge you a quarter for them. Charge you a dime for them. And the point that you paid something for them, I'm going to take care of this. Buy the truth. Whatever you've got to do to get the truth, whatever you've got to do to get wisdom and instruction and understanding, pay the price. Amplified Bible says it this way, buy the truth and sell it not. Not only that, but also get discernment and judgment, instruction and understanding. Message Bible says, buy the truth, don't sell it for love or money, buy wisdom, buy education, buy insight. So so don't don't just try to figure out what the will of God is for you, but, but start to understand how the will of God works. There's one context in which you're never going to understand God. There's, there's ways God in which God chooses to do things in your life, in my life, that I don't understand that. But then there's a lot of other ways that God provides us some understanding of what He does and how He does it. He may not always tell us exactly the why and the what, but we can begin to understand some things about His nature and and, and, and what he does because of his nature and his character. So buy it. Get it. Understand what the will of God is. Understand the importance of it. If you missed last Thursday night, I'd encourage you to go back and, and uh, watch it. Listen to it. Understand the importance of it. Understand the role of it in your life. Colossians 1, verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you may be filled with the knowledge of what? His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. We have not ceased to pray for you that you would be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And again, not the knowledge of His will in just the context of what it is to do, but the knowledge of it with regards to how it works that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering and joyfulness. Amplified Bible says, verse 29, or verse 9, sorry, this way. For this reason we also... From the day we heard of it, have not ceased to pray and make special requests for you, asking 
that you may be filled with the full, deep and clear knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom, in comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God, and in understanding and discernment of spiritual things. If you don't increase and grow in your understanding of God, as I said with regards to marriage, the same thing will happen in your relationship, your walk with God. If you have the wrong expectations of what walking with God is all about, if you have the wrong perceptions of what Christianity is all about, I can promise you, guaranteed, you're going to get disappointed and probably disillusioned. And unfortunately, there's a lot of the preaching that's done today that actually kind of feeds that expectation. God's going to make me rich. God's going to give me a new house, new car, new clothes, etc. No more pain, no more sickness in my body. I'm going to sow my seed offering and I'm going to get all this blessing in return. And then when that doesn't happen, people get disillusioned with God. And if you read what God said or if you understand God's ways, you'd understand He never promised you to make it all wonderful and easy. In fact, He said, when he was walking on this earth in flesh in this world you shall have tribulation but be of good cheer I've overcome the world isn't it amazing that when we start to face difficulties in our lives we all of a sudden where'd you go God what did I do wrong how did I mess up why are you punishing me all you got to do most of the time is read what he said you're gonna have trouble the rain falls on the just and the unjust the message Bible says verse 9 this way Be assured that from the first day we heard of you, we haven't stopped praying for you. Hopefully all of us have somebody in our lives like that. We know they're not going to stop praying for us. Asking God to give you wise minds and spirits attuned to His will and so acquire a thorough understanding of the ways in which God works. I, I like the way it says it there because it kind of breaks it down. It's, it's, it's that, you would, that, that He would give you minds and spirits attuned to His will. That's, that's sort of the doing. Attuned to His will. What are you supposed to do? Where are you supposed to go? What, what are you called to? Who are you supposed to marry? What do you... But also that you would acquire a thorough understanding of the ways in which God works. So you need to know what His will is, but you also need some understanding of how He works. I've said it several times in this series that your worst day in the will of God is better than your best day out of the will of God. However... The will of God is the, blessed, is the best place to be. It is the blessed place to be, too. The will of God is the best 
place to be. But hear me tonight, that doesn't mean it's the most enjoyable place to be. If you don't get any, if you don't, if you could get this tonight, this is the main point. I was going to say, if you don't get anything else, there isn't anything else. This is the point. We, we, we got to get this, we got to get this point, folks. Because if we're not careful, we have an expectation, an inaccurate, unrealistic expectation that if I am in the will of God, it's just going to be a wonderful thing. Y'all haven't been picked on in so long. You're so overdue. Mike and Tatiana made a decision to almost two years now, over two years, that they were going to stay in the States and not return home. And first and foremost, for the purpose of getting equipped and trained for what God's called them for, what God wants to do through them. I, I believe they're in the will of God. But it's not easy on them. Two plus years now, not seeing family. They love their family. <laughs> Are they in the will of God? Believe so. Does that mean it's all wonderful and fun? And You know what? You can be in the absolute perfect position, perfect will of God, and be lonely as can be. You can be in the absolute perfect will of God and be isolated. That's not where I want to be. Well, do you want to be in His will or in your will? And I can also promise you, your will, if you're honest, is never the same as God's will. (laughs) And even if it seems like the broad categories are the same... You start breaking down point by point what he's intending and what you're wanting, and I can promise you they're not going to be the same thing. The, the challenge, the challenge of, of and, and again, and I, I'm gonna, this, this probably is this evening and the remainder at least is probably more so kind of that macro will of God when it comes to decisions and directions and the course your life is going to go and making the decisions that God wants. Not what you want, but what God wants. The challenge of that is this. <laughs> Sometimes when you're doing the will of God, I'll say it the, the carnal way. The stars are in alignment. Everything is just laid out. No obstacles, no challenges. But here's the other problem. Just because everything looks right, looks in order, is all in alignment, that doesn't automatically make it the will of God. And then... Here's the other side, which is probably what many of us experience more often than not, is you can be in the perfect will of God and you're going to be dealing with all kinds of opposition, 
challenges, struggles, attacks from the enemy. And so if you determine what the will of God is by the fact you're getting resistance and opposition, you might decide, well, that must not be the will of God. Have I made it complicated enough yet? I've said it, I think I've said it in this series, get together with especially a group of young adults through the years and open it up for questions and almost without fail, almost without fail. Some of y'all, any of y'all used to go on the church camping trips, Bishop did question and answers and the big joke was it was always about, you know, where do you go when you die or whatever it seemed like. Well, youth and young adults, it's always, how do you know the will of God? Of course, they're usually really only asking that for one primary reason. How do I know the will of God for who I'm going to marry? That's really how I ought to know the will of God. And I really would like for God to tell me who the will is right now. Even if it's not the time, that way I don't have to worry about who the will is. I can just, you know. The problem is, there is no cookie cutter. I guarantee if we were to take the time to go around this sanctuary this evening and, and, and you were to tell about some kind of major decision in your life and, and how God directed you in that, we would get a variety of stories. Some of you, God, some of you would tell about some decisions you had to make where you almost, it was almost as clear as an audible voice. God spoke to you and told you what to do. Others had a dream. Some have had a vision. Others, all we had was a feeling. We weren't even sure about that feeling, but I feel like this is, I feel like I have peace for this direction. The problem we have, and we have to be careful in all areas. Your experience is not the standard for everyone. The way God does something in you or through you, the way you operate in ministry, you're not, you're, nobody's supposed to be me. I'm not supposed to be anybody else. If we're not careful, we take how we do something or what our experience was. If, if you have to have God speak to you, almost audibly, and tell you who to marry, I made a big mistake 29 years ago. Emphasis on the 29 years ago. As I, apparently, I didn't make a mistake, but God never spoke to me. David, you are to marry Angela Houston. Never happened. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I, was, I had my fingers crossed. Long before I ever felt she was the will of God, hoping she was. Well, how do you know she was? I mean, you didn't just force it. Well, there's, <laughs> believe me, there was some situations that could have stopped all of that. If it, Understanding, coming to know what the will of God is for you, direction-wise. Some of you are sitting in this place tonight and you are, you are in some very 
challenging circumstances. Some of you are in some very challenging crisis right now, and, and you need direction. And hopefully you're not looking for your direction, you're looking for God's direction. Because in every circumstance, every situation, God has a plan. And I guarantee you God's plan is always better than your plan. Sometimes God is silent to see how long we're willing to wait. It's as if he's saying, let's see how serious to you what I have to say is. Because if you're willing to just rush off to do something because you don't think I'm speaking right now, then you don't really care what I say. You're not all that interested in what my will is. But if you're willing to wait... Until I speak, then you're probably pretty dependent and concerned about what His will is. So listen, listen to this. 1 Peter three twelve. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and His ears are open unto their prayers but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Anybody, somebody needs to just reread that first part there. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and His ears are open unto their prayers. Somebody needs to mark that verse down, and the next time you're praying, then the devil comes along and tells you God's not listening to you. You need to read that verse. And who is he that will harm you? if you be followers of that which is good. Now watch this. But if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. I think we all know a few folks that suffer for righteousness' sake, and they ain't happy. They're grumpy. They gripe. They complain. Peter says, happy are you if you suffer for righteousness and be not afraid of their terror neither be troubled but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you of a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear having a good conscience whereat that whereas they speak evil of you as of evil doers they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ for it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well doing than for evil doing it could very well be the will of God for you to suffer in the midst of His will. I think we need the AC cranked up a little bit. Got some folks falling asleep on me. I think you're just you're glazed over. You're not. Somebody needs to hear. I know. I, I know this is simple stuff, folks. It is better if the will of God be so that you suffer. 
It is better if the will of God be so that there's pain in your body. It is better if the will of God be so that there's sickness in your body. It is better if the will of God be so that your finances are tight and just enough to get by. It is better if the will of God be so that the circumstances you're dealing with are not the enjoyable circumstances you would like. That is better than having everything you desire and it all going the way you wish it would. Wait a minute, that's not what we signed up for, was it? I didn't get born again so I could suffer. I got born again so I could stop suffering. But it may just be the will of God. There's going to be some times that you suffer. The Amplified says, verse 17, this way, For it is better to suffer unjustly for doing right, if that, thou, if that should be God's will, than to suffer justly for doing wrong. Living Bible, remember, if God wants you to suffer, it is better to suffer for doing good than for doing wrong. If you're going to suffer, at least be suffering for doing good. I'll read it in a few moments in another passage. You don't get no credit for suffering when you cause the mess. You don't get no sympathy when you're, the, when you're suffering because of your decisions. Barnes Notes says this, That is, if God sees it to be necessary for your good that you should suffer, it is better that you should suffer for doing well than for crying. God often sees it to be necessary that His people should suffer. I know, I know this, is not what you, this is not what you signed up for tonight. It's Thursday, you've had a long week, you got one more work day to go, hanging on to the weekend. And I've come to tell you that God often sees it's necessary for you to suffer. It's kind of amazing I'm not having to jump out of the way of anybody running the aisles right now. I mean, there are, watch this, listen to this. There are effects to be accomplished by affliction which can be secured in no other way. Somebody needs to get that tonight. There are some things that only affliction and suffering can produce in your life. Nothing else. And if you are trying to circumvent or prematurely get out of where God has you in a place of suffering, then that means what He is trying to do will ultimately not be accomplished. And you know what's so amazing about God? He's not in a hurry, and He's happy to bring you right back through the same thing time after time after time until you're finally willing to let Him finish the work. And some of the happiest results of the soul of a Christian, on the soul of a Christian, some of the brightest traits of character are the effect of trials. 
But it should be our care that our sufferings should not be brought upon us for our own crimes or follies. No man can promote his own highest good by doing wrong and then enduring the penalty which his sin incurs. And no one should do wrong with any expectation that it may be overruled for his own good. If we are to suffer, let it be by the direct hand of God and not by any fault of our own. If we suffer, then we shall have the testimony of our own conscience in our favor and the feeling that we may go to God for support if we suffer for our faults in addition to the outward pain of body we shall endure the severest pangs which can suffer, which man can suffer, those which the guilty mind inflicts on itself. You need to understand the will of God. The psalmist said it this way, Yea, though I walk through the valley, of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Why is it that he was in that valley? Because the shepherd was leading the sheep through the valley. There's going to be times in your life and mine, more than one, where God's going to lead us. God, in His perfect will, is going to lead us into some valleys. Uncomfortable places. Challenging places. That's why I, I, there are some that don't agree with this, and, and, and I respect their right to, to disagree. I know some that if, you pray, if you're praying for somebody and you don't have a specific word from God, for example, for healing, and you're praying, you know, God, I, I'm asking you to heal Brother Spriggs. I know you I know you got the power. I trust you, God. But whatever your will is. Well, I know some people that are like, well, that's a, that's a lack of faith. That's a lack of trust. It's God's will to heal everybody. Anybody sick here tonight? Anybody got some pain here tonight? It's not God's will to heal everybody. I said this just a couple of services ago. In the book of James, it says, If there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders. They'll anoint them with oil and they'll pray for them. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Not heal the sick, save the sick. Because God is more interested in your eternal salvation than He is in your temporal comfort. I'll say that again, even though nobody told me this. Sometimes they'll tell me to say it again. I'm going to say that one again. God's more interested in your eternal salvation than He is in your temporal comfort. It's a sad thing when you finally, and you can, finally convince God to give you something contrary to His will. You can finally reach the point where he'll go, okay, you want it. Uh, you got it. By the time it's over with, I can promise you it's not what you were asking for.
1 Peter 2, 19. For this is thankworthy. That word thankworthy, it's an interesting word. That word thankworthy in the Greek there is actually the word grace. It also means properly that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, grace of speech. What is all, And it also means what is due to grace. So it is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if when you be buffeted, For your faults, you shall take it patiently. But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. And and I put it in brackets here, and I think it would be okay to say that last part this way. This is the acceptable will of God. This isn't just acceptable with God. It's the will of God. It's the will of God that when you're buffeted for your faults, you take it patiently. Patient, or excuse me, it's the will of God. You do well if you suffer for it and take it patient. That's the will of God. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again when he suffered. He threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. If anybody ever had a right to retaliate, if anyone ever had the basis to retaliate, Jesus Christ had that right. And yet Peter says he did not. He did not give back what was deserved. Who his own self, Bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. For you were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your soul. It may be the will of God that you suffer. It may be the will of God that you deal with some heartache and pain as a result of your well-doing. I know, come on, from a carnal, natural standpoint, if I'm going to be doing what God wants me to do, if I'm going to be living a life pleasing to God, then surely there's going to be some really good return on that. Surely I'm I'm going to get some benefits out of this. But it may be that He's expecting you to suffer, not for doing wrong, but for doing right. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. Anybody get that? Oh God, why am I going through this? What do you mean? What in the world? What do you mean what in the world's going on? God has decided to try your faith. It's not some strange thing. It's a part of it. But rejoice. Nobody's done that tonight. I don't understand. Rejoice in as much as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. 
that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you want to experience the glory, you got to go through the suffering. Paul said, oh, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. Woo, that's what we all want. And that's where we love to start. But Paul didn't stop at knowing him in the power of his resurrection. Paul said, I also want to know him in the fellowship of his suffering. You cannot live in the will of God without also being willing to suffer some things. Well, I don't deserve it. Neither did he. How in the world can I ever talk about what I don't deserve when, if all I got to do is think about him on that cross? The Savior of the world, the Creator of heaven and earth, submitting himself to be crucified? You want to talk about not deserving. They shouldn't have talked to me that. Well, they probably shouldn't have, but give me a break. They shouldn't have acted like that. No, and they shouldn't have crucified him. Rejoice in as much as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on his behalf. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall, be the, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer, how? <laughs> let them that suffer according to the will of God. Wait a minute. I didn't sign up for suffering according to the will of God. That's not what I got in this for. I got in this so I'd have the American dream. Pain-free body. Overflowing bank account. Angels for children. You can suffer according to the will of God. Let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator. I don't like this, God. I don't like the way this is going. I don't like what I'm dealing with. I don't like how things are going. I don't like how... People are treating me. I don't like the way my job is. I don't like this. I don't like that. But if, if, I'm, if, if it's your will 
I want to be in your will, and I am trusting the salvation of my soul to your keeping. So don't, don't let me get bitter over what's going on. Don't, don't let me get angry over what's happened to me. Don't, don't let me get grudges against those that have let me down or disappointed me, God. I, I, I'm committing the keeping of my soul to you and trusting that if it's your will, if suffering, if my suffering is in your perfect will. What did, what did Jesus say in the garden? If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, nevertheless, at thy will. This is what I want. (laughs) This is my will. This is my desires. These are my preferences. But I'm going to lay all that aside for your will, even if your will is a pathway of suffering, because there's no better place to be than in your will. Acts 16 verse 4 says this, And as they went through the cities, they delivered them, the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. Verse 5, And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. I missed some verses there. Somebody got a got your Bible open, got a Bible open. Help me out here. What's verse 6? Acts 16, 6. I missed some I missed some notes here. Yeah, here, let me see. Acts, you got it open. Let's see. Thank you. Acts 16, 6. Now, when they had gone through, throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Messiah, they essayed, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. It, can, it forbade them. The, the Holy Ghost, the will of God, told them, no, you're not preaching here. No, you're not going. We're supposed to go everywhere all the time. We're just, sometimes you might want to stop and see if you're going where God's sending you. Because there may be some times His will is not for you to do what you think you're doing. It may, he may be actually forbidding rather than sending Acts twenty twenty two. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. I don't know what all's going to happen there, but here's what I do know. What I do know is I'm going to have to suffer. What I do know is it's not going to be comfortable. Some of you have yet to embrace your calling. 
because you're not willing to pay the price. If, if God was calling you to go start a church somewhere and promised you that in you know, every single year you're going to have 300 people get the Holy Ghost and baptized and, and every year that, you know, 300 people are going to get added to your church every year and you're going to have all the finances you need for everything you want to do. And blah, I'll go. That's not the way it works. There's some people in this room tonight that have got decades of experience in ministry and I'm pretty certain they can tell you the places where they have succeeded and there's been victories in their ministries. There was also some defeats in those same places. There were some days when it looked like it was never going to happen. There was never going to be a breakthrough. Nobody was ever going to get the Holy Ghost. Nothing was ever going to happen. I don't know what all is going to happen there, but what I do know is it's not going to be fun. But what, what does he say? None of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Why is it that Paul could say, none of these things move me? I believe the reason Paul could say that is because he was absolutely confident that going there was the will of God. And if there was going to be suffering and bonds that were going to be there, it did not matter because the most important thing to him was being in the will of God. It's not just about knowing the what, folks. It's about having some understanding as to the how He works. How He does it. And how he does it may very well incorporate way more suffering than you and I really are interested in. What do you do when you pray with faith and confidence? And it doesn't happen. I hate to tell you, I've prayed more times for people to get healed that haven't gotten healed than I've prayed for people to get healed that got healed. I'm not going to stop praying. I'm not going to stop believing. But I'm also going to guard my faith and trust. It only takes a mustard seed of faith. So faith isn't my problem. And so if I believe and trust God to do something and He chooses not to do it, I've got to trust that His will is better than my will. And His ways are better than my ways. Probably a good percentage of us, unfortunately, 
could share some of our experiences where we insisted on our will in some things. And God stepped back and let us have it the way we wanted it until we found out that's not really what I wanted. So would you please come bail me out and now I'll take your will. (laughs) We've all been there. If you haven't been, you probably will at some point. Anybody tonight, when, when, you, when you first got the Holy Ghost, first got baptized, you were just on, uh, you were on cloud nine, man. The, it, this is the best thing that's ever happened. This is so awesome. God is so good. You were just telling everybody about it and how awesome it was. You still had bills you couldn't pay. You still had sickness in your body. You still had a car that barely ran. You still had a house that leaked, but it doesn't matter because, woo, I got the Holy Ghost. I got, woo. That don't last. Because what happens is there's also, whether it's conscious or subconscious, there is this expectation, well, I know i still got all these problems, but God, he's taking care of all, he's fixing all, he's going to change all of them. They're all going away. So, and, and then time goes on, and some of them aren't going away. Some of them are getting worse. Kind of like John the Baptist, you know. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the... This is the one. This is the one who I've been telling you about. I'm not worthy to unbuckle his shoes. He wasn't asking. He wasn't... He he was telling everybody, this is the one. But a short time later, what did we hear John saying? Hey, do me a favor. (laughs) Go ask Jesus, is he the one? Or should we be looking for another? See, I, I really, I, another one of my imaginations, just the way I do it, but I really believe John was completely comfortable with the fact that he was not to be the man. He knew Jesus, He knew he was the forerunner for Jesus. He knew that Jesus was going to be the man. He was going to be the headliner. But I, I got a feeling John expected that once Jesus showed up, he was still going to be the opening act. He was going to be the pre-service prayer leader. I don't think John was counting on things ending the way they ended. And that's why I believe John went from saying, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world, to now saying, Are you the one or do we look for another? Why? Why, John? Because this is sitting in prisons, not where I expected to end up. Getting called before the king and having my head chopped, that's not, what I, that's not the will of God I was in this for. There will be, not once, as I've already said, but seasons throughout your life. Hopefully it won't be this way every single day, but 
There will be seasons, as long as you're walking with God, where there will be suffering that is a part of the perfect will of God. I know without a shadow of a doubt, Sister Ellenberger, that when we prayed, maybe he did it, I don't know, haven't heard yet, But I do know without a doubt God could reach down in your home right now, touch your husband's body, and every one of those blood clots be completely in an instant. No doubt in my mind. But he doesn't always do that. Do I want my comfort? My convenience? Do I want things my way because I think they're the most enjoyable way? Or am I interested in knowing and understanding the will of God? Again, as I close, there's a couple of you I could... I know some of the stuff. I not spiritual discernment. I just know it. Maybe you're sitting in this room right now and dealing with some things that there is no exp- Why? And and even why? Why would God allow this? Why would God? You ever, you ever feel that way, brother William? Why? Because for whatever reasons I've got to trust. If I'm suffering in His will, now again, read it. If you if you're suffering because of your mistakes, that's a whole other night. But if you're suffering in His will, you're suffering while you are in the perfect will of God. You've got to trust that all things, all things work together for good. All things. Not some things, not a few things. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. Father, I pray that Your grace would work in our lives to empower us, to strengthen us, to embrace Your will in our lives. Yes, Lord, there are times where Your will, what Your will is, is It's a wonderful, enjoyable place to be. Good things are happening. There's blessings. There's health. There's prosperity. There's also a lot of times, God, where your will, your perfect will in our lives may have us in a place of discomfort, a place of challenges around us, physical challenges, financial challenges, ministry challenges. But if we're in your will, God, that's... That's what matters. 
I pray, God, tonight for every person in this sanctuary, every person watching online, every person that will listen to this message at some point, God. I pray for understanding upon us, God. Give us understanding of Your will. Not only understanding of what that is for each of us, what that entails for each of our lives, but also the understanding of Your will and the, the way, the principles in which it works. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, God, help us to pursue Your will above everything else, especially above our own will, our own desires, to be fully submitted and surrendered to what Your will is, God. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, Amen.